Greetings and welcome to the third season of Why So Political. I'm your host, Nehaya Bali, a high schooler living in the United States. A lot has happened since the last season, and I'm beyond excited to cover everything. Our world has changed in so many ways, but amidst all of these shifts, I pledge to find middle ground and provide you all with accurate information. Regardless of what your political views may be, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Why So Political. I'll start off this season by discussing hair. You heard me right, today is all about hair. Naturally, I have very thick, wavy, long hair, and while it can be an absolute beast to handle at times, I've been told by quite a few older people, with all due respect, that they wish they had hair like I did. And for the longest time, my hair really wasn't much of a matter of contention for me, until an incident occurred a few years ago which would forever change my view of hair. I used to be on my school's debate team, and while this wasn't something I particularly enjoyed or excelled at, it still was something that I dedicated a lot of time towards, mostly because of my parents, but partly because it was an outlet for me to speak up. In speech and debate, I always thought that one's voice and how they used their voice mattered the most, and I think that's what made me stick to it. However, like most things in society, physical appearance also plays a hefty role. I know what you may be thinking. Being professional and looking formal is really important and those sentiments ought to be respected and followed through with something as ritualistic as a speech and debate tournament. And I would agree to that statement 100%. But you see, this incident went deeper than the clothes that I wore or how I presented myself. Essentially, I was docked during one of my rounds because of my hair. For context, I wore my hair down, as pretty much all people with long hair did. My hair was brushed, clean, I wasn't wearing any distracting headpieces, my hair wasn't in my face, and it didn't serve as a distraction to anyone. I thought that I had done everything right and presented myself in a professional way, but I thought wrong. A judge docked points off of one of my rounds because my hair was too frizzy and not straight enough. My natural hair apparently had the power to impede my speaking ability, and it seemingly also had the power to undermine what I had to say. Ridiculous, I know, but this incident set 11-year-old me up for a lifetime of being judged by my appearances in virtually every public setting I was in. It set me up with the expectation that, as a woman, I would be judged harshly on how I looked even over something as trivial as the condition of my hair. This incident presented me with the harsh reality that a woman's looks are so heavily judged and spotlighted everywhere, even in a professional setting such as the workplace. A Harvard study from 2016 found that women who wear some makeup to their workplaces to enhance their beauty are considered more likable and competent than those who don't or those who wear overly glamorous makeup. Furthermore, according to a study done by the National Longitudinal Study of Adolescent to Adult Health, Attractive individuals, specifically female individuals, earn roughly 20% more than people of average attractiveness. This just goes to show how much value society places on women's looks. And 
as I can confirm, this unrelenting behavior affects women of all ages. What my speech and debate incident represents is something that so many women go through in a professional setting. They get penalized if how they present themselves strays from cultural and societal norms. But what exactly are these norms? Well, if I were to describe it in one word, it would be Eurocentric. Incredibly Eurocentric. This word implies that the current rules, standards, and guidelines are heavily influenced by those found in Europe. To spell it out, women in the workplace are expected to follow Eurocentric beauty standards and how they present themselves. What do these standards consist of? Being thin and tall, having long, tame hair, having light or slightly tanned skin, having an hourglass figure, large eyes, a small nose, and high cheekbones. Women in the workplace are trapped in the dated ideal that they must conform to these standards because, as proven, their treatment, working conditions, and payroll will only improve if they surrender to these strict guidelines based in Eurocentricity. This vicious cycle of sizing women up also works to objectify them even more than they already are, and thus this discredits their ability to work and produce outcomes just as well as their male counterparts. Moreover, I must disclose the negative impacts that are brought about with these rushed and relentless introductions of Eurocentric beauty standards in the workplace, such as the effect it has to uphold white supremacy. It brings about the idea that if you don't fit a certain mold, the mold from Europe that encompasses the majority of physical characteristics which white people inherently have, you aren't attractive. Furthermore, trying to achieve these standards, like any unrealistic beauty standards, have adverse effects on women. Personally, because of my speech and debate incident that I experienced years ago, I still straighten my hair to this day more than I definitely should in order to be seen as clean and professional, even though there was nothing unclean or unprofessional about my natural hair. In the end, it truly seems that women are in an eternal catch-22. They're doomed if they do, but they're also doomed if they don't. Regardless of how they present themselves, regardless of if they conform to these standards or not, they still get paid only 83 cents to every dollar earned by a man, as told by the 2020 U.S. Census Bureau. So how do we, as a society, move past this racist and sexist expectation that women are confined in? Well, to start off, we all need to look at people through a new lens, more specifically a lens in which physical appearances hold no weight when it comes to a person's ability to carry out a job in the best way possible. In no way is the current workplace perfect, but it definitely does have the scope to improve. But it will only get better if we let go of the past and the faulty norms that our past has created. That concludes this episode of Why So Political. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to my take. If you like what you heard, I would highly encourage you to come back next week. A new episode drops every Monday at 8. Until next time.